Heavenly Father, you've promised that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire. It will succeed in the matter for which you've sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. You may be seated. So, a question. When you send out Christmas cards, or Easter cards, or a birthday card, do you sign your pet's name to the card in addition to your own? Do you celebrate your pet's birthday? Have you ever sent your dog to daycare? Do you shop regularly for cat toys and dog toys? Are you a multi-species family? I have a dog named Banjo, and I think of myself as his dad. I think of Harriet as his mom. I've read that dogs have the intelligence of a two-year-old, and my dog follows me around like a two-year-old. And I'm willing to admit that I carry on conversations with Banjo. I actually pretend that he answers me. And we have conversations, but the conversations are all in my head because I'm attributing to Banjo abilities that he does not have. Now, that's not a criticism of my dog. I'm not down on him. I'm merely saying that Banjo is not human, even though I like to think of him as such. I think it's because I like being a dad. I like being a dad so much that I will attribute childlike characteristics to my dog. Now that is a psychological phenomenon known as attribution. That, that is when we assign or we credit something with powers and abilities that it does not possess. We do that with our pets, and we do it with our possessions. We attribute to possessions powers and abilities they do not have. Page 10 in your bulletin, verse 15 of the Gospel reading for today. And Jesus said to them, Take care and be on your guard against, notice this, all covetousness or, or greed is the same thing. Covetousness or greed is a continual longing for more things, more stuff. Now, no, no, Jesus is not saying be on your guard against burglars. He's not saying... <laughs> Be on your guard against scammers. He doesn't warn us about those external threats because those external threats are always or often on our minds and we're guarding against them anyway. But what we don't guard against, what we are generally ignorant of, are the internal threats from within, including covetousness or greed. Burglaries as terrible as they are, are seldom fatal. 
But greed, if not repented of, is 100% fatal. Verse 15, continued. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, you know that God created us with needs. All of us need food, air, water, things of that sort. And God freely gives these things to us. But just because you and I need certain amounts of those things, it does not mean that we are better off with multiples of those things. So on page 11, Roman numeral 1 in your outline, wealth is not evil, but it is dangerous. It is dangerous because we attribute to it power that it does not have. The problem's in us, not in the wealth. And that's letter A, evil resides in us. Remember, from last week's gospel lesson, you may recall, uh, Jesus said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit, that means the Spirit and everything else besides, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Letter B, wealth may isolate and imprison its owner. It may isolate and imprison. The prophet Isaiah wrote in chapter 5 of his prophecy, Woe to those who join house to house, who add field to field, until there's no more room, and you are made to dwell alone in the midst of the land. Have you noticed that the wealthiest people often dwell behind walls or gates? Or perhaps they can afford to buy enough land so that no one else can live around them. Wealth can become like a prison in which we unconsciously imprison ourselves and cut ourselves off from others. Roman numeral two, the futility of greed. Letter A, we always seek more because more cannot make us secure. It can't make us secure. The reason why I want more is I'm no longer content with what I've been given. And I'm no longer content because no matter how much I have, it cannot remove my fear and anxiety over the future. The amount doesn't matter. In fact, the more I have, the more I have to be anxious about. Question. How many of us here this morning are truly content with what we have in our bank account? or our investment portfolio. And be honest about that. Don't you assume that you would be better off if there was just a, maybe a little more cushion there? Just a little more. And that's true for all of us, no matter how much cushion we have. 
And it proves my point that more is not better. And in fact, the desire for more is deadly because it is idolatry. And that brings us to point B. As we read in our epistle reading, greed is idolatry. It is idolatry. Luther wrote, whatever you set your heart on and put your trust in, that is your God. Let her see. The one who supposedly has the world at his disposal is often its victim. Its victim. I have seen families self-destruct, perhaps you have too, over inheritance. Verse 13 in our gospel reading, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now this is a man who apparently has been wronged in some way. And whatever the wrong was, it should never have happened. But the man is on the verge of committing a greater wrong. Apparently he has yet to learn the lesson that there is no better possession than a brother. The true wealth which God has given to him and to all of us this morning is the relationships we have with those around us. No thing is worth sacrificing the relationship. No possession is worth that. Letter D. The possessions worth storing up are those which death cannot snatch away. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. In Ernest Hemingway's novel, The Sun Also Rises, the hero of the story is the earth, because while the generations come and go, the earth abides. It remains through it all. But perhaps Hemingway forgot that Jesus' words brought the earth into existence and his words will bring this world to an end. And his words are the finest treasure of all because when your last hour comes and everything is taken from you, everything will be taken except the word of the Lord. We read two weeks ago in Luke chapter 10, that Mary, the sister of Martha, sat at the feet of Jesus doing what? She was hearing his word. And what did Jesus say? Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. Go to the end of Luke chapter 2, and you read that the Virgin Mary treasured up in her heart all of the words and the deeds of her young son, Jesus. Which, by the way, is probably the reason why we have the infancy narratives in Luke's Gospel. Mary testifies to it. The words of Jesus are the only treasure worth storing up because they're the only treasure which death cannot erase. And this is what it means to be rich toward God. Because when you have Jesus, you have everything, everything. Roman numeral three, 
being rich toward God. Letter A, God gives super abundantly. He gives super abundantly. St. Paul wrote in Romans 8, if God did not spare his own son, not someone else's son, but if he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not, together with him, and that's the point, connected to him, together with him, he will freely give us all things. That is to say, God gives you all things, not apart from Christ, but together with Christ, or he doesn't give it at all. And when God gives to you, he gives to you not with a spoon, but with a shovel. He gives super abundantly. In Luke chapter 6, we read that God gives to us in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And it's all because of Jesus. It's because we have been reconciled to him through the death of his son. In Luke chapter 9, God feeds the 5,000 in the wilderness. And he doesn't just give. He gives so much that there is an abundance of food left over, all because of Jesus. Throughout the Gospels, wherever Jesus is, there is an abundance of food, an abundance of wine. There is an abundance of forgiveness. There is an abundance of life. Wherever Jesus is, there is no lack. No lack. Together with him, we freely receive all things. That means apart from works, it's free, it's grace, it is gift. Connected to Christ. And because God is so rich toward us through the death and resurrection of his son, we can afford to be rich toward others, unlike the man in our parable this morning. Verse 21, Jesus says this, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself, that's the man in the parable, and is not rich toward God. To be rich toward God is to be generous toward others. As Luther said, God does not need your good works, but your neighbor does. The opposite of being rich toward God is to lay up treasure for oneself. The unfortunate man in our parable laid up treasure for himself alone because he had no thought of God. He never speaks of God at all. He's abundantly blessed by God, but he would not acknowledge God as the giver. He is, in effect, a functional atheist. And so he dies. Unbelief causes us to lay up treasure for ourselves alone. And this man was not being unjust to anyone. He was not oppressing the poor. He was not withholding anyone's wages. He was not defrauding anyone. He wasn't running a scam. And yet he died. And that's remarkable because this is one of only two parables in the New Testament where someone dies. I mean, people don't do that in parables. They don't just die. But this man does. And it suggests that there's something seriously wrong with him. Although He's not scamming anyone, and he's abundantly blessed by God. My friends, 
the desire for more, the need for more, is idolatry. And it's deadly. Letter B. Faith in God's generosity enables our own. Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. Freely means without works. It's just dumped on you because of the goodness of God. Freely you've received, freely give. Now that's more than a command. It is power to do it. Generosity begets generosity. Like begets like. We human beings, if you haven't noticed, we are natural imitators. Of all the species on the planet, we are the ones who imitate, and we imitate almost nonstop. Hold a little child in your arms and smile. And what will the child do? Smile. If, if they're six months old or more, he'll smile back. Stick out your tongue at the child. What will the child do? Stick out his tongue. Go shopping at Kroger or Aldi's and smile at the people you walk past. What will they do? <laughs> More than likely, they'll smile back, even though you're strangers. We are natural imitators. And, and the more you perceive God as the generous person that he is, the more generous you will be toward persons around you. Generosity begets generosity. Now, I will probably continue to attribute human characteristics to my dog. I will probably continue my imaginary conversations with him because I don't believe there's any real harm in attributing powers and abilities to him that he doesn't have as long as I recall that he's a dog and he's not a person. But when I attribute power and ability to other possessions, when I assume that the more wealth I have, the more secure I am, then I give wealth too much credit credit that belongs to God alone, that is idolatry, and it is deadly. My friends, our security depends not on what is given, but upon the one who gives, and the one who gives, gives abundantly through his Son, Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.